in markets makes perfect sense through the lens of liquidity. And, and, and when liquidity trumps, it dominates, it trumps everything, macro fundamentals, valuations, nothing matters. That, that's, that was the message in any of the interventions that we've seen since 2009. And I think that's the phase we're going through right now. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with technical expert Sven Henrik. If you haven't yet watched part one of this discussion with Sven, in which he explains what his technical analysis says is likely to happen most now that the bulls have won the battle for control that raged in the markets at the beginning of this year, head over to our channel at youtube.com slash Wealthion and watch it there first. It sets the context for the investment themes we discuss in this video. Okay, let's get started watching part two of our interview with Sven Henrik. First is we've got regular people who watch this channel and they are just trying to navigate what's going on, hopefully not become collateral damage to anything bad uh, and to try to at least make some money with a relatively acceptable uh, risk return ratio uh, if things go well. Uh, what would sort of be some of your parting advice to those folks? You know, I heard you say like, all right, don't go super long into tech right now. Maybe buy on a pullback, wait for a pullback to buy. If there's a pullback, if you're bearish, don't pile in immediately because that's likely to get bought in the near term. Um, what other bits of counsel would you give them? Well, you know, for, first of all, one of, one of the things that was missing, by the way, in May, and this, this had me confounded as well, you know, tech was already flying high. Uh, but some of my technical signal charts were max oversold, which made absolutely zero sense to me. It, it was really confounding. So I had, I had, on the one hand, tech stocks just going brutally overbought and the overall market being oversold. Well, now I have the answer for that. The market's caught up. And as we approach this week now, a lot of the check boxes that were missing are now being ticked off. This market is getting now very much overbought again, which suggests, you know, the opportunity to lighten up a bit, wait for pullback makes sense uh, for for sure. Uh, in, in terms of selling, you got to be very, very careful because momentum breeds momentum. And we've seen that in, in the recent weeks. Um, but there's another chart that may be worth watching in terms of a trend line. Uh, I mentioned the S&P monthly chart. You know, we had the support holding. We got the break above the monthly 20 MA. There was a trend line that actually broke last year. Uh, it was a key resistance trend line all the way up to before COVID. And then we had this just massive blow off top, broke above it, held the support a few times. But we broke it to the downside last year as all the money printing came to an end. We just tagged that again as resistance. So as 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 bears look like to be non-existent, having completely disappeared from the market, bulls taking over, I find that technically of interest with mm -hmm. the lag effects still coming. I'm I'm I remain open to the bear case, but I'm cognizant of bulls in control. So I think this is going to be now a tactical journey here into the summer. Uh, again, if we get a pullback into the monthly 20 MA, 
if it holds support, you got to record it. You got to respect it. You know, and then, then you're probably clear for the year um, on, on the upside. Uh, however, if that breaks and will show and would show, then that this rally here was a fake out. So this, that there's always that possibility when you get too much uh, momentum and, and, and optimism again. And if that fails, so I use measuring sticks where I know who's in control. And that to me remains a key measuring stick. Uh, I think generally volatility is way too low for the macro environment that we're facing. So I do think we're going to have another volatility spike this year. And if if it breaks below the monthly 20 MA on a sustained basis, then you may actually still get a larger bear market in the second half of the year, which was originally my script. See, I'm also trying to be honest with my 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 scripts. I'm saying, okay, well, the first half year rally makes sense to me. Second year, we'll see who what's what's really happening with the economy and then earnings and then where we are. And remember back then I said 3,200 was kind of a second half of the year possibility, which seems completely insanely impossible right now, right? No, no one believes that. Not even the bankers believe that anymore. Not even Mike Wilson believes that anymore. You know, he's, he's the most bearish guy and he, you know, thinks maybe 3,900 could, could be happening. Right. But that's, that's what happens. This is the psychology of the market. It's, right. It's, it's got to break the bears. Yeah. And in October, just one just anecdote, which is so absolutely classic, okay? Goldman Sachs, the crack team on Wall Street, right? Best paid guys out there. Beginning of 22, they were talking about 5,200, right? And then the S&P dropped, and then they reduced their price target to 4,900. And the S&P dropped some more, you know, down to 4,000. I forget the exact sequence, but they kept, dropping their price target. And then in September, basically right in front of the lows, they dropped their year-end price target to 3,600. <laughs> and then the thing rallied up then to 4,200 and they raised their price target to 4,000. Well, like what, a week ago or two? They now raised their price target to 4,500. Now that we've crossed over 43, going into 4,400. Thanks. That's extremely helpful. <laughs> you know? I'd love to get paid their paychecks to be able to forecast that well. No, but it's 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 so reflective of when I say the in, in environment is difficult. I'm not trying to make fun of them. I'm just trying to highlight that the biggest pros on Wall Street get it horrifically wrong and they get jerked around and no one has any particular insight, predictive insight in terms of how this plays out they're all chasing price that's why i'm saying liquidity has a lot to do with this in right. terms of how this is all being influenced but we got to understand all this where we choose individually how we view risk reward at any particular given time and and so to me this is an adaptive journey i mean i i don't like risk reward to the upside right now at all you know shorting is hard and dangerous for most people anyway right but you know, I do see short opportunities setting up here because of having that cup and handle target being reached, trend line being reached, overbought reading sentiment, da 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 da, and potentially liquidity coming out. So that there are possibilities there. And then when that happens, then we need to see again a new battle for control. Can bulls to defend 
the, the, the key measuring sticks or, or not. And this is where then macroeconomic data comes in as this, the journey unfolds. This is, you know, no one needs to be stubborn about anything. This is, remains a, a, a complex journey to navigate through and then using signals to be tactically positioned. All right. You know, with um, Lance Roberts, who's a financial advisor who's endorsed by Wealthy on here, he's on the channel every week with me. And uh, at the beginning of the year, he declared this as the year of the audible. And I hear that's what you're saying a lot too, which is we just have to be really nimble and be ready to to change the plan at any given moment, given the way that things are unfolding on the ground here. Well, this this market is doing a fantastic job of making everybody look like an idiot at one particular time period. I, I guarantee you, this is this is going to keep surprising us um, into next year as well. Uh, so we just got to be. We just got to be humble in terms of uh, the, the, the developments. And I haven't, I haven't even spoken to geopolitical, any, any of that sort, you know. But I, I give you one example. You talk about recessions and, and or slowdowns not mattering. Germany is officially in a recession. Guess what? The DAX is at all-time highs. Who cares? Yeah. Have, you, have you looked at the Nikkei lately? Holy cow. I mean, through the roof on the monthly Bollinger Band, no one cares. I mean, it, it, it's astonishing some of the price action we're, we're seeing. Um, in in a context of the supposed greatest monetary tightening in in decades, but I don't believe it because, as I mentioned earlier, we we still got all that liquidity flushing through the system. So, no, it's it's not been cleansed at all. Right. You keep cracking open doors that I I, I want to keep talking about you with. We'll be here forever if I do. Um, let me well, just ask a couple of quick bullets. Um, one is if you could just give a quick note on your your outlook for bonds right now what is this is where i go back to that uh, tnx chart i mean i i i don't have it confirmed at all i just see a big potential weekly bull flag which i find myself struggling with because if the fed is pausing or has paused already you know then this shouldn't really play out but why is it showing me that technical pattern uh because that suggests uh, still higher rates to come. Although, you know, if, if you're talking about a recession, then you would expect lower rates. So bonds, bonds are a bit of a puzzle to me. And I'm just saying in general, the bond market is sending a very different message than the stock market. And the stock market has been ignoring the bond market at this time. And there's, there's this wide jaw and and both can't be right. It's kind of my my view. And, if the and bond I'm curious, markets... I hear people say when the stock market and the bond market differ, the bond market's usually proven right because, quote unquote, that's where the smartest guys, you know, on the street operate. Um, does that still hold true in a world awash in liquidity? Well, that's that's the journey, the undiscovered country, right? I mean, some someone has to reconcile. This is why I go back to earnings yields. You know, the, the, you, you are now in a phase where you got competing forces. You never had that in the last few years, right? Because you had the Tina effect. There is an alternative. Well, guess what? There's an alternative now. A largely risk-free alternative yeah. for yield. So why am I paying, you know, 30 times earnings on a lot of these really expensive stocks? Uh, never mind NVIDIA or Tesla or, or something else. By the way, this was this was kind of funny. I, I saw some tweet from someone, uh, some random account. You know, they have these historical accounts, 
and it talked about the Ponzi scheme. The the guy that actually the, there was a guy named Ponzi, mm-hmm. and he was in the 1920s. And and we all know the phrase a Ponzi scheme. Well, there was actually a guy that this is coined after, and he was promising you know 50 return in 90 days. And I had to laugh because this market here has been blowing past all this. I mean, Tesla went up 46% in like 15 days, you know, Ponzi couldn't compete with that. (laughs) (laughs) Ponzi, Ponzi. Yeah. And and again, we are talking almost trillion dollar company here. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. But by the way, just going back to this, I talked about liquidity equation and markets. I actually posted a chart of Tesla vis-a-vis bank reserves. And, it's absolutely stunning because when when Tesla bottoms, bank reserves had bottomed. When Tesla peaked, bank reserves had topped. The same relationship that I mentioned in markets, we can see in some of these high-flying tech stocks. So don't anyone tell me there is not a very clear relationship that's very dominating in, in these markets. So... This is the part of the flying blind part because I I cannot tell you where this is exactly going. It should go lower uh, on the liquidity front, but it hasn't. And and the reason it hasn't in the recent months is because of these bank interventions. So this is where I go back to the illusion part. Maybe maybe we're all being uh, on some level completely deceived because we're when looking through it through the wrong lens, and and you cannot square it with fundamentals just with liquidity. Yeah. And I so, this. I, I, I would, I would, on, on, just to finish that point. Yeah. What we're seeing in markets makes perfect sense through the lens of liquidity. And, and, and when liquidity trumps, it dominates, it trumps everything macro fundamentals, valuations, nothing matters. That, that's, that was the message in any of the interventions that we've seen since 2009. And I think that's the phase we're going through right now. Okay. Um, so I hate to shoehorn one other additional question in here, but um, the, the Fed has been very particular to tell us, okay, this, this bank interventions are not QE, right? Um, and you could say it's a loan, it's got to get paid back and all that stuff, and therefore it's not going to enter the real economy. Um how I mean, clearly, we're seeing the markets react as if it's QE. Um, how how is this money making its way into the financial markets here? Well, by the way, they also said it wasn't QE in 2019 when they said literally not QE. Right. Yeah. Markets didn't didn't care. Well, it's 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 ex- excess money in the system. You know, the, the, it always finds its way into into markets somehow. I mean, if you have excess cash, you can deploy it. You know, the, we can argue about the precise mechanisms. Um, you know, there's been a lot of online discussions about, you know, is QE even stimulative? And people disagree with it. Well, whether it is or isn't in terms of money going into the real economy, and for years it hasn't gone in the real economy, right? right. Because velocity of M2 was just not there, um, but it makes its way into financial assets. assets. And as you alluded to earlier in the part, well, that's just keeps widening the wealth inequality equation, which no one seems to 
ever care about. So maybe it's mission accomplished and that's that's the plan. Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit last time uh, as well. You did. The, the, the social disintegration that's taking place in front of our eyes every month. I mean, just look at political situation. The U.S. keeps getting worse and worse and worse. You know, the, there's real anger out there. And yes, the concern is that if you have a tightening cycle that doesn't fix housing affordability, for example, what do you can th- what do you think is going to happen? You know, if if rates are higher for longer and you don't get the cleansing of the excess, you know, it, the, the the whole issue with inflation is, yeah, you 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 I guess declared victory when the rate of change is back down to two percent, but you have absolutely no reprieve from the prices that got raised, none, you know, maybe you get lucky on gas prices, but if you don't see it in your rental prices and your wages haven't kept up, you're behind. You're behind. If you're not an asset asset class owner, which most people are not, I hate to say it, then you're left behind again. So how is that? How is that helpful? And you're, you're looking sort of with a snapshot of where we are right now, but then you take things like, AI, right? Which, of course, everyone's cheering right now, right? But that's yeah. going to dramatically disintermediate the labor force, right? And so, you know, if you are a younger member of the younger generation, you're just looking at a series of current blows or blows you see coming in the future that are just diminishing your prospects. I mean, you, you get to a point where you really lose faith, you know, in the promise. And as you said, you know, there's there's, there's definitely sort of a simmering anger here, particularly on the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum, but also on the lower end of the demographic spectrum, where people are just increasingly feeling like this is just not fair. Well, if, if, if AI leads to a road where it creates a bunch of new jobs, new category of jobs that didn't exist before, that's just a vast pool of opportunity. Um, but if it leads down to a path where you know, a lot of other jobs just disappear, and folks that are not well versed in that arena are just losing their jobs, then yeah, it's just gonna exacerbate everything. I mean, I guess, you know, when you look at the internet when it first came online and now AI has presented us the new internet basically, right? Um, we, we had a lot of optimism with that and the internet proved to be a game changer for everything, but it also didn't prevent 90% drawdown and a recession in the real world, draw down in all the later winners in the internet, i.e. the Apples, Amazons, you, you, know, you name it, Google, they all got hammered hard because the, the view that the internet was gonna solve everything, yeah, it did solve, and it didn't solve everything, but it was a massive game changer that led to immense opportunities. Well, a lot of stuff got completely obliterated along the way. And if you look at a lot of the companies that were the initial promised land of that time, they all disappeared and, and or got haircuts that lasted for, for decades. You know, everybody wants to presume to know who the winners will be. And you can make the case, yes, you know, the, the monopolies that we have right now, they're unbeatable, right? Because they have so many resources at their disposal. But, you know, we, we've said that a number of times as well. You know, look at look at the mobile space, right? It was the Nokia's, the Blackberries, or even computing Cisco, whatever. Completely new players came along on the way. So that 
that that will take time to sort out mm-hmm. on on a personal note and i'm for freely admitted i'm i'm not an ai expert right i just dabble like everybody else you know on, on the various offerings that are out there. i mean on, on twitter you know every every day now you get some thread about who there's a thousand new ai tools and if you don't use them you know you're stone age dinosaur or whatever but you know what i find missing and i've done a few experiments on that in in things that i actually think i know things about i.e central banking monetary policy and, and, and markets and what i found interesting is when i ask some basic questions or put out some basic prompts um, these ais give you a ton of interesting information and they present them in a very authoritative authoritative way meaning yeah that sounds pretty pretty solid but being a subject matter expert i i realized that this a lot of the information is completely incorrect um and so i actually went back to challenge it on it and say well this is wrong because of this here's the link this is wrong because of that and ai came back and you can you can put that in the plus side sentence it i it it apologized it corrected itself and and, and then it agreed with me what okay how, how is that helpful because if if you're not a subject matter expert in something you you're running the risk of taking information that's fed to you by by ai and you end up being completely misinformed now you can say, well, the AI is learning and therefore it took my information and it updated its information. Well, I'm just one guy. What if a thousand guys keep feeding it different information? You know, what what is truth? What is actual reality? And so I I can see one key element missing in all this AI stuff at this point, and that's judgment, human judgment. That's that's currently lacking. Now we're early in the process and things can change. I Freely there and exponential and it can, ultimately can be great. But I also suspect at this stage it could be a great source of misinformation, which is terrible because we got an avalanche of misinformation already. So it's, it's going to be an increasingly difficult jungle to navigate through, I suspect, in general. But no matter my, my initial concerns here, <laughs> you know, investors at this point even though can you call them investors if they're one day zero day options chasers are pricing in perfection for years to come yeah i think that that is something that is clear right when you look at like nvidia's price to sales ratio right i mean that 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 company needs to deliver perfection for a ridiculously long period of time to merit its current multiple to sales well they have to sell a lot of chips right i mean i mean that's great and and i'm sure they will but someone has to pay for all these right is is there a counter ledger to this where right. okay and where there'll be competitors coming in and you know there'll be some yes. more price fitting and all that stuff right you know people talk about you know we even elon Musk talking about regulation and and this that to to hone things down and this could all get scary well the chinese are not going to regulate the russians are not going to regulate the who knows who's all out there we don't know who the other players are going to be but they're all right. going to be players out there and yes and that that'll lead to competition 
and and competition has a way of changing things on on a dime so i i it, these wild valuations we're seeing right now okay i i don't know how long the momentum will last but at some point there's going to be a reality i i yeah. hope for the best i hope for the best but <laughs> i i i, I Again, it's all about risk reward at, at any given moment in time, and and right now, to me, it's shifting, okay. and we're, we're going to have some testing ahead of us. All right, well, Sven, look, I have a lot of questions we didn't get to. It's always a sign of a great interview where you just kept throwing diamond after diamond here into the discussion. Um, my last question for you for now, of course, we'll have you back on. And actually, if we get to the point where your TA shows you, I think you said you know we we could get to a point where um, you know, if the, if, if the bull run really does begin to encounter real resistance um, and, uh, you know, we, we begin to see a, a potential door opening for um, a real reversion, um, we'd love to have you come back on the channel and kind of just update us on what your TA is saying at that point. So whenever that happens, please let me know. We'll bring you back on. Sure. But, but back to kind of all the... Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of dislocations right now, right? There's dislocations from the key moving averages. There's dislocations from the fundamentals. Um, there's dislocations from what the Fed is telling us versus what the market's believing. I mean, it's just dislocations everywhere. A lot, yeah. of, that's, a lot of that's being driven by, you know, policy um, and whatnot. Um, so if if you were in charge, if I made you Emperor Sven, yeah. Um, what are there any reforms that would be like at the top of your list that you'd you'd want to do to start trying to bring things a little bit more into fundamental balance here? Oh, thank God I'm not in charge. <laughs> I wouldn't want the job. I agree with you. And talking about the Fed specifically, or really anything. I mean, it could be how the market is structured, whatever. But I imagine central bank policy is probably somewhere in your mix there. Well, one thing is, you know, I, I'm not in charge. Uh, I would just urge them to stop with the nonstop speeches uh, that they've been given. The, I mean, this week, this coming week, I guess we have 15 Fed speakers again. Are you kidding me? In one week? Oh, yeah. We've, we've had that uh, before as well. Um, and let's say they're all the best intentions people in the world. Uh, I, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, as a central bank, you want to have credibility with the market. And these constant proclamations that we've seen over the last few years have greatly undermined the Fed credibility of the Federal Reserve. Everybody gets things wrong. I get that. I get things wrong. Um, but they're not learning from that. Um when when you give speeches at a rate 45 50 a month you will get things off more wrong than otherwise you you you're opening yourself up to losing credibility the fed certainly has done that with the entire inflation fight i mean remember the, there are people now in the fed that says no rate hikes uh, no rate cuts in 23 and 24 or whatever um, as Powell the other day, not for a couple of years. You don't know that. Right. The, you, you have no idea what policy should be or could be based on 
any type of events that are coming our way. That's the same mistake that they made in 21 when they said and let the market through hundreds of speeches, they kept repeating this. There won't be any rate hikes until 2023 or Kashkari, for example, until the end of 2023. And people believed it. I, I keep going back to this example. December 21, they put out a, a, a Fed, Fed, a Fed dot plot forecast for the Fed funds rate of less than 1% for 2022. Mm-hmm. And people believed that. And where are we now? We're at 5%. The end of the year, what, 4.8%? Instead of less than 1%? Well, let me throw one at you. You know, everybody's now blaming the bank CEOs for having mismanaged their positions. And that's why they blew up. And yes, you can blame bank CEOs. But they just thought the Fed was guiding them. Yeah. Who was telling them that's not going to happen? Yeah. If, if you're a bank CEO and you actually believe the Fed and you manage your risk accordingly, you, no wonder things are blowing up. So then, then I'm looking at this and say, well, are you, by misguiding the market because you're so insistent on doing that, are you actually becoming a source of instability? Because now they have to come in and, and intervene everything again. And now maybe this is actually prolonging the inflation fight which then ultimately may make things worse, much worse down the road, you know? And, and now Powell goes up not for a couple of years when he doesn't know, when his own team, his own Fed is already putting in penciling rate cuts for, for next year. I, 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 just, I, I just think that the overall process is, is not extremely, is not helpful. I think the the fact that this is still resulting in ever widening wealth inequality has never been any acknowledgement on this on the side of the Fed. Um, they they are risking ultimately a society breaking apart. I don't want to see that. Uh, it's it's incredibly challenging, and there's no accountability ever for 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 any of that. Uh, as I said, you know, housing prices they they added what trillion and a half into mortgage-backed securities during COVID, which interest supply constrained housing market, which blew housing prices through the roof. And they have barely corrected at all. They're pricing people out of the housing market. For, yeah, for and I'm, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of trying to wrap this thing up as I am, but you keep opening these great doors. So housing market, you know, head scratcher um, in the sense that it's, it's, I mean, it's, Housing prices move more slowly than financial asset prices like stocks and whatnot. We all get that. But, you know, mortgage rates have now been very high for a good long time. We've kind of trapped people in their homes, right, where now they almost can't afford to move, right? Because they, they, they're sitting on a really low mortgage. They're going to have a big fat mortgage on the next place they go to, or, or fat mortgage rate. Um, but uh, but here in the U.S., you know, we have a ton of people that are sitting on these these low mortgage rates for the next thirty years. In your country, if I understand correctly, um, mortgages they're 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 roughly have to be taken out every five years. So theoretically, every year you have about twenty percent of the housing stock that's re-rating. So you would expect to see home prices correcting faster in countries like yours. Is, is that indeed happening here? 
Well, uh, the, the housing market has slowed down for sure uh, on the upper echelon, but you know, house prices keep going up. Okay, um, so you're still seeing the same dynamic we are. But but the 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 issue is, as you mentioned, there's there's a lot of variable refinancing, and Bank of England is expected to raise again this week. Uh, it's it's gonna squeeze people out hard. So there's that that's the concern that they're gonna break something hard there on that, on that front. Um, and the and the UK structurally is is the sickly child of Europe now because there are effects from Brexit and inflation is higher than anywhere else in the eurozone so it's, there's there's definitely issues here uh, also with labor right because as as you broke out of the eurozone you know a lot of the labor supply that was here is no longer here or it's been mm -hmm. reduced dramatically you know? and so it was the that. more affordable labor, labor too right yeah absolutely and so i see a lot of high street shops having closed and not coming back i don't see any demand for all this yet that that's just tell, all tells me that the the hammer is still to drop in a lot of these these economies um just closing out on the fed so you know they they need to be very careful in terms of the credibility i think once you're into a phase where the fed has no credibility with the market bad things can happen because no one listens to them anymore mm -hmm. um and and so then then they're gonna have to follow through harder and I think we're kind of approaching this period right now. So it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is this week to 15 Fed speakers appearing vis-a-vis -vis what their statement was last week and what maybe they intended to have happen vis-a-vis -vis what actually did happen. All right. Well, look, Sven, uh, I could, we're coming up on two hours here. I could yeah, easily I know. go another two with you, um, but this has been wonderful. Thanks for giving so much of your time and your expertise to us here. For folks that have really enjoyed this and for the very few who may not have been familiar with you before, where can they go to follow you and your work from here? Well, my daily musings, you can find me on my Twitter handle at Northman Trader, uh, where I try to post charts, sometimes some sarcastic notes, as I'm known to do. Who, you? Me? Like, <laughs> I, I can just observe the absurdity of the world, but I'm trying to keep it real at the same time. Uh, website is Northman Trader. I also have a YouTube channel where I post uh, Northcasts, where I try to uh, do a few technical macro observations uh, in video format as well. All right, Sven, as usual, when we edit this video, we'll put up the links there on the screen and in our description to all those assets there. Folks, uh, if you don't already follow Sven, you absolutely should. And I don't need to explain why you've, you've just seen it in this almost two-hour uh, bonanza of, of insight he's given us. Um, all right, uh, Sven, uh, it's just been wonderful. Look, um, you, you've done a phenomenal job of really underscoring what a tough market this is for a seasoned long-term professional like you. So you can only imagine, you know, a regular viewer of this channel who's trying to navigate on this on, on their own, how overwhelmed a lot of folks can feel. Uh, so I just want to thank you for, for really underscoring um, why we on this channel encourage people to work under the guidance of a professional financial advisor and just trying to navigate this stuff. Um, I think very few people are have the expertise, the time, really, um, but also the skill set to, to, to successfully navigate this ever-changing environment that we've just been talking about here. Um, folks, if you have a good one who is creating a personalized financial plan for you uh, and then executing it for you while, while keeping you well-informed, uh, you should absolutely stick with them. They're rare. They're worth their weight in gold. If you don't, 
or you'd like a second opinion from one who does, um, consider scheduling a free consultation with one of the financial advisors that, that Wealthion endorses. Um, to do that, just go to Wealthion.com, fill out the short form there, only takes a couple of seconds. These consultations are totally free. There's no commitment to work with these guys. It's just a free public service they offer to help people like you, you know, hopefully position prudently given all the issues that, that uh, Sven does such a great job talking about here. Um, and if you'd like to see Sven come back on this program again, particularly when his TA starts telling us we need to start paying attention because there might be a directional shift, uh, please cast your vote for that by hitting the like button, then clicking on the red subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Sven, again, I just want to say it's always an honor having you on the channel. Thanks for giving us so much of your time. It's been great. Thanks, Adam, for having me. Look forward to our next discussion as well. All right. Thanks so much, everyone else. Thanks so much for watching.